Hello, this is Erica Agri Prescott from the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Welcome to a special fellowship family meeting. With the war that has erupted since Hamas terrorists' massive attacks on Israel, we wanted to come together to better understand the context for this war, its importance to Christians and Jews, and pray for God's protective hand over Israel. More than ever, the Jewish people need allies like you. We'll be joined shortly by the Fellowship's U.S. Chairman of the Board, Bishop Paul Lanier, and fellow board member, former member of the U.S. Congress, and now Dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University, Michelle Bachman. With the war unfolding in Israel as we speak, we wanted to share Dean Bachman's insights on the situation there with you. It's my pleasure to welcome Dean Bachman and Bishop Lanier, who will be guiding our conversation. Greetings to you both, and thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Erica. This is this is um, such. Can we just begin with prayer for everybody? Almighty yes. God, I thank you for every person who's listening now, and all of us have seen and heard far too much in the past few days, and it can leave us feeling so rattled and uncertain and insecure. But I'm grateful that in Yael's heart. She provides moments like this where the family can gather around the table. We can pray together and we can talk and helps each one of us get through this crisis. Be pleased with these moments, oh God. We give you praise. I'm so grateful. Dean Bachman, I have, I have admired her for so many years. Of course, you all know her in the political arena. That's how most of us began our conversation with her. But most recently, she's leading the School of Government at Regent University. She's, I don't mean to embarrass her, but she's brilliant and she's exposed and she's experienced. And we are deeply honored not only to have her on this call tonight, but she is the newest member of the Board of Directors and she's not just jumping on the bandwagon of Israel, and she's not just jumping on the bandwagon of the fellowship. She's been a part of the fellowship family for some time, and I'm just thrilled to have her here with us tonight. Dean Bachman, let me ask you. You know, most of us can tell people where we were, what we were doing when President Kennedy was assassinated, or where we were when 9-11 happened. Where were you? What did you first feel when the massacre hit Israel? Bishop, thank you for having me on the call this evening. Actually, on the morning of October 7th, I woke up in Europe. I was ready to head back to Norfolk, Virginia, uh, to the university where I, te- where I am the dean, Regent University. My family and I had been in Europe for a once-in-a-lifetime family trip. Our, our, my husband is from Switzerland, and our adult children had gone with us, and we just had a once-in-a-lifetime trip. So I was heading back that morning. I got a call from a friend of mine in Israel who said, Michelle, I have to tell you what's happened. And they told me. They went on to explain. And, of course, at that point, we didn't know the full extent of the atrocity, but I can tell you, Bishop, at that moment, I was laying in the bed, and something happened in my spirit. It was, it was in my abdomen area, and I knew in my abdomen 
that this was different yes. because Israel has, is faced with threats and, and, and rockets being fired. This is not unusual, mm. but I knew this was different. This was different than anything else. And I just, I had a physical reaction yes. to it, a physical heartbreak and something, like I said, in the depths of my soul that told me this was different. Mm. So I spent that day flying. I flew back, not knowing what was going on, flying over the ocean to come back. And by the time I got into the United States, I communicated more with friends that are back in Israel. There, I have a, a friend who's a physician in the hospital, the Soroka Hospital in Beersheba. Mm. And I wanted to know if she was okay because their family is right down in that yeah. area. She was fine. Her family was fine. And then... We all, just like everyone else, then we start, this started to unfold and we, we saw in real time what was happening because the Hamas terrorists wanted to have propaganda. And and this is what's so horrific, Bishop, Mm -hmm. to think that you would have terrorists with video cameras and GoPros and, and phones. They wanted to film in real time. The deaths of innocent people, civilians, innocent people. I hate to even talk about it. It seems sacrilegious, but we have to talk yes. about it. And that's yes. one thing I want to encourage everyone tonight. We, as Bishop and I talk, we are not trying to be sensational. We're no. not trying to be overly emotional. What we are trying to do is embrace the reality yes. of what the Jewish people are facing. We have prayed for Israel for years, and now the very worst that we could imagine has happened in front of our eyes. And all the things that we have prayed for, we're seeing this. And so we have to talk about this. We have to unfold this. Because if we don't look at the reality of this situation, this could happen again. And we have to say, like they said with the Holocaust, this can never happen happen again never again then you know when this was coming down and you've stood at the same place i know where i've stood before in in these highly sensitive areas and you've looked at the computers and the screens and and those those extraordinary israeli technicians they can see a gnat sneeze three miles away on those screens and so for this to have happened for their elite to be able to come in and to and to violate the the sanctity of the soil and the souls of Israelis, that's a. But can you 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 have a, an advantage? There's been a word used a lot in this conversation about the past few days that some of us have never heard before. But you you've lived it, kibbutz. What is a kibbutz? Yeah. Why would they attack a kibbutz? What's your own experience with the kibbutz? Well, Bishop, the first time that I went to Israel, I was 18 years old, and I left the day after I graduated from high school specifically to go live and work at Kibbutz Beri and Beersheba. Mm. Kibbutz Beri, you've probably seen photos, videos. You've heard a lot about Kibbutz Beri in the news because Kibbutz Beri is located three miles from Gaza, and it was one of the first kibbutzes that was attacked by the terrorists. Again, 
for sure 1,500 terrorists. I've read accounts that it was 2,000 terrorists. But what is a kibbutz? When the modern Jewish state formed 75 years ago, Bishop, Israel was a wasteland. In many ways, it was an absolute wasteland. There weren't uh, crops growing the way that they are now. It wasn't. It hadn't been curated. It was exactly what the Bible said, that it would be a wasteland, and it was. And so when Aliyah began, meaning when the Jews began to return to Israel, mm-hmm. they started to have communities. And just like in America, When we think of the pioneers, they were in Mm -hmm. covered wagons, and they would circle the wagons at night with campfires for safety and protection. Uh, Well, that was a kibbutz. A kibbutz was where Jewish people came together, and they supported each other. And it was a kind of a, in a way you might say, a socialistic system. Hmm. Everyone shared all things in common, but they figured out some sort of employment, whether it was orange trees or growing flowers. In the case of Kibbutz Hmm. Beri, they began a printing company. Each kibbutz came up with some way to support themselves. And then they educated the children. They took care of the old people. They supplied all of the medical care because there wasn't a government that had money that could take care of them. So this is going back 75 years at the Hmm. beginning of the modern Jewish state. And so the kibbutzim had to take care of its own people. That's essentially how Israel began, with the kibbutz system. After a while, people were able to come and just create a normal economy like we think of in America, a capitalist economy, but they didn't have that 75 years ago. That's why Israel is called the startup nation, the miracle Mm. nation, because of how they grew. But they began with the kibbutz. So a lot of the kibbutz, we're down where my kibbutz was, Kibbutz Beri. Mm-hmm. And, there, and we've read about several of the kibbutz down there. Mm-hmm. But they were right by Gaza, practically on the border. And so the people that were there, even if they had a wall around it, even if they had a security system around it, they were overwhelmed because it was 1,500, 2,000 terrorists. And you all saw the little motorized hang gliders yes. where some of the terrorists went, not just one person, they had mm-hmm. two people on a hang glider, and they their purpose was to fly deeper into the southern mm-hmm. portion of Israel because their goal, I spoke actually yesterday, Bishop, with a, a guy from the military, from the IDF. He said the original plan from the terrorists was to was to go deeper than what they did mm. penetrate into southern Israel and then hold it for 30 days. Wow. They planned to slaughter for 30 days. Wow. And so, you know, w- we wonder why wasn't there perfection within minutes. But actually what, what the fellow told me is that they were able to stop these terrorists within 36 to 48 hours. Wow. And he said, considering the number, considering the tactic, the IDF, did an unbelievable, mm. miraculous job mm. stopping these marauders. No one could have imagined no. that a slaughter of this kind was on the table. No one knew. You know, just a few hours ago, I was in New York City, and I was attending an event for a different organization, extraordinary organization, and they took me around the table after table simply because I was there representing Yael, and they kept saying the same thing. 
Mr. Lanier represents the fellowship. These are the best boots on the ground in Israel. They kept saying the same thing. Those of you who are listening to me now, you're a part of this fellowship or you wouldn't be on this call. You care about Israel. You care about the fellowship. You care about the Jewish people. I'm asking you now to do what all all of us are doing. I remember my first time I gave to the fellowship, it was 2009. And then four years later, not only did my wife and I give, but then our congregation, a church, began to give every month. And most recently, we've we've increased our giving because the challenges are greater. Israel has never needed us more. Dean, I'd like to, to ask you, as you noted a few moments ago, Israel's been hit so many times in so many ways from various enemies all the way back to 48. This is different, as you said, that gut, you knew this was different. Yeah. I want to ask you, when yeah. you say that, the, the, the heinous uh, attacks, as you said, we don't want to get sensational, but some of it, you, you, you can't hardly mention what happened without dealing with, with the obscenities yeah. and the absurdities, the viciousness. What does this say? about the nature of the enemy that Israel is facing right now? What I would say is that the nature of the enemy is satanic. Yes. It's satanic and it's demonic because this is a, this is a spiritual war. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We know this is a spiritual war, and this is an irrational, deranged hatred yes. of a people, the Jewish people. And I know from my political background, I sat on the Intelligence Committee. Mm. I've read the documents. I've read the charter of Hamas. It's a, it's a franchise of the Muslim Brotherhood. Mm. And the United States government has designated Hamas years ago a foreign terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. So we know that. Mm-hmm. They're the government. So they're a terrorist dictatorship over Gaza. But this is what a lot of people don't know, Bishop. Israel controlled Gaza. For 75 years, Israel controlled Gaza. And there were uprisings happening Mm -hmm. in Gaza, and a lot Mm -hmm. of the people in Israel just thought, you know, we're we're tired of trying to control Gaza and all of the violence going on there. Let's just go ahead and give them the land. Mm -hmm. This was under Ariel Sharon. And so they did. In 2005, Israel gave the land. So we hear all this nonsense, lies, that Israel occupies Gaza. Wow. Israel isn't occupying. Israel gifted the land. Mm. It's truly the finest real estate in the Arab world. It's, wow. the, it's the land that Israel gave to the Gazans. And as Israel pulled out, they, get, they left their businesses behind. The Jews left their businesses. They left houses. And as the mm. Jews left Gaza in 2005, the Arabs were shooting the Jews in the back while they were leaving, firing rockets. And from the day the Jews left and gave uh, Gaza over to the Arabs living there, it's been rockets, mm. wars, mm. attacks. And so that's why Israel had to build the wall that they mm-hmm. built to protect mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. It, it isn't because Jews were trying to hurt Gazans. That didn't happen. It's because Gazans kept trying to shoot Jews, take knives, and stab Jews. And now what we've seen is 
they were trying to commit genocide. They were trying to fulfill their charter. Their, so this their, isn't their really about land document. at all. It's about it's no, not simply no, removing no. Jews from no. from Israel. It's removing Jews from the earth. From the earth. From the earth. It's genocide. That mm-hmm. is what they call for in their documents. But the same thing is true with the Palestinian Authority and Fatah. That's mm-hmm. on Israel's east side. So mm-hmm. I want to let people in the fellowship realize what Israel's up against. On the on the west side, they have Arabs who hate them in this foreign terrorist organization called Hamas. Mm-hmm. On their east side, they have the Palestinian Authority and Fatah. And I've been told that they've actually killed more Jews than Hamas has even killed. And then on their northern side, they've got Syria, which is influenced Mm -hmm. by Iran, and they've got Lebanon, Mm -hmm. which has some estimates are as many as 200,000 rockets that are pointed against Israel. And so if there's anything that history has taught us, Bishop, it's this. When a madman speaks, you listen. And so Israel's neighbors have attacked Israel before in 48, in uh, 67, mm-hmm. in 73, and other, other times as well. This was the attack that was meant to be genocide. This mm-hmm. wasn't a military attack against the mm-hmm. Israeli military. Mm-hmm. But just like you mm-hmm. said, Bishop, Jews aren't safe in Israel. Mm. They aren't safe in America. They aren't safe anywhere in the world. And it seems to me like a spirit was unleashed on on October 7th. A spirit of death, a spirit of genocide against the Jews. And that's why we can't be silent. The scripture tells us, I will not Not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be silent. And that's why we can speak with our voice. We can speak with our money, with our contributions. And I want to say this. I went with Yael in Israel. Mm -hmm. I went with her to deliver the food boxes Mm -hmm. to these poor people. And you look at the commercials on TV and you think, there can't be people that poor. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. And Yael goes into um, the former Soviet Union. She takes food boxes into the former Soviet Union, and she feeds Jews that are there. They're so old. They can't leave. They can't come to Israel. So the fellowship tries to feed Jews that aren't even in Israel. So they, they try to do that. But do you know the International Fellowships of Christians and Jews, I believe, is the largest yes. humanitarian food distribution organization in Israel? Israel doesn't have the money to do this because remember what Israel does. They take any Jew from anywhere in the world who can make it Mm -hmm, to Israel, mm -hmm. they take care of them. And the International Fellowship follows the Bible. Mm. They go by the criteria that the Bible has for feeding the people who are elderly and who fit that criteria. Once a person meets the criteria for the rest of their life, the Mm. fellowship Mm. every week, delivers a very wow. basic, it's not fancy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a very basic box of food so they can stay alive. Yes. I've seen it, a couple carrots, apples, I mean, yes. you know, but it, it'll keep them alive. That's right. And that's, that's right. why we, that's where we come in. We can give our money, and when we give our money, we are feeding Jews. Yes, We're feeding elderly Jews who can't feed themselves. And look at the government now of Israel. They are stretched so thin. They had to call up 350,000 men. Today, Bishop, I talked to a rabbi in Israel. He called me. And he said, 
You can't imagine what our society is like. We've just had to release 350,000 men from working. And so the wives can't work. They've got to be at home and take care of the kids. Everything is upended right now. So if there was ever a day when Israel needs our help, it is today. They need our help in very practical ways. They need our help financially with these food boxes that, thank God, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is as already stood up as an organization. We're already, we know what to do. We've been doing it for a while. Thank God for that. But I will say, without any shame, that the fellowship needs people's money now, Bishop. They need the money now because the Jews need it now more than ever because literally people can't go to work. They can't go to jobs. Rockets are firing. Another friend of mine who lives outside of Jerusalem told me as I was talking to him, oh, that was two rockets that just went off overhead. And they have to go run to the shelters maybe four times a day, maybe 12 times in a night. This is their life. So you can imagine how the economy has been damaged. Well, that's that's part of the warfare that, that the enemy is bringing. And it isn't just Hamas. It isn't just that organization. Hamas couldn't do this on their own. It's Iran. And what Iran did about uh, nine years ago, the Ayatollah of Iran wrote a book, Bishop, and the title Mm. is We Will Annihilate Israel. In other Mm. words, we'll commit genocide of the Jews in 25 years. And they mean it. So nine years has gone by. And so what did Iran do? What we saw on October 7th, I guarantee mm. Iran is the one who trained, who put, mm. who financed, who put this whole plan into effect for this, this opening stage of genocide of the Jews. They mm. wanted to do that. They also fund Hezbollah yes. on the north and those 200,000 rockets. So Iran is very clear about their goal. They only have one goal, kill yes. Jews. Yes. That's it, yes. kill Jews. And so all this money has been spent to train, to arm, to equip, to plan, to have rockets, to have bombs, to have grenades. And what did they want to do? Strike fear. Strike fear in the heart of every Jew. And so now, did you notice? This, of course, was planned. These uprisings, hundreds of thousands of people across the world, simultaneously, Mm -hmm. standing for who? The Jews? Mm standing for the terrorists yeah. who slaughtered the Jews in cold blood. And we watch, and we watch in some of the cities. demonic. We watch in some of the cities, of course, with tens and hundreds of thousands of people. We love to hear them sing Haktikva, but we understand the inevitability that that's going to flip on a dime because it's never natural for Babel to bow at the gates of Jerusalem. Bishop and Dean Bachman, I see a lot of people who really – they want prayer. They're inspired. They feel like we need to pray. Um, in Psalm 122, verse 6, I'm sure you know it even better than I do. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadel. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. In this verse and in the spirit of this and considering the violence racking Israel today, over 150 hostages still in captivity, would everyone please pray with us for peace in the Holy Land? It seems impossible. 
but with God we know all things are possible. Bishop, would you lead us in prayer? Yes. Almighty God, I pray now that you would touch the precious families where loved ones have been slaughtered, murdered, massacred. Comfort them. Comfort them, O God. And then strengthen the families of those who have been kidnapped, stolen, they're in exile. And touch those precious Jewish people and other nations who were taken illegally across the borders. Keep them well. I ask that you touch them in such a way that they know, even now, somebody's praying for me. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But I know, Lord, when we look in the Bible, if that's our point of reference, our people have been held in prisons time and again, and there have been angels to step in. And, Lord, I'm believing that if the enemy can cross the border and people didn't see it, I'm believing our people can cross that same border and the enemy won't see it. I ask that you keep them safe, keep them well, give the leaders wisdom, uncommon wisdom. And for all of this, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Lanier. And thank you, Dean Bachman. We appreciate your commitment and your heart for the Jewish people. And to everyone on the call, I want to thank you so very much for your continued support of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Without you, our work to help Jews in Israel and around the world could not happen. So thank you for your love and compassion for these precious children of God. 